the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Welcome to Night IE Radio. We have the honor, or auspiciously, to be recording the show on June 6th, 2019, which is the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings that were a crucial turning point in World War II. What you just heard was then General Eisenhower, who was the commander of all Allied forces in Europe, giving a radio address to the troops, to the men, uh, at the beginning of D-Day. This 75th anniversary is... Uh, a an important marker in the remembrance of D-Day. Uh, if you had a chance to watch the ceremony that was uh, conducted in France in order to commemorate and honor that sacrifice that was done 75 years ago on Thursday, one of the notable things is that every person up there that fought, that went to the beaches on D-Day is in their 90s and late 90s. This may be the last D-Day that many of them are there in order to uh, mark this very important day that marked the beginning of the end of World War II. There's There's another aspect to this particular greatest generation. Think about growing up during World War I. A little prosperity and then the Great Depression... And then the rise of Nazi Germany and fascism in Europe and then World War II. This particular generation never really even had the chance to grow up uh, without some kind of specter of uh, the end hanging over them. Contrast that to what today's generations grow up with relative comfort, relative uh, little threat. Most of the threats are manufactured by ourselves. Very different generation. That generation literally carved out the 
baton, I mean, the baton of freedom and liberty that was passed to them by the founders, this, that generation ensured that that baton was safe to be passed on to future generations. An amazing sacrifice by uh, so many individuals that will never fully appreciate because we weren't there. We didn't have to make that decision to join against almost uncertain odds. Uh, young men uh, hungry to answer uh, the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, joining uh, the the American forces, and then the amazing Greg buildup. The technology buildup of World War II. Have you had a chance to tour the battleship Iowa? I have not. It is an amazing battleship, and I encourage everybody to do it because that ship, the design of it, the building of it, the launching of it, and three other ships was done in a year and a half. A year and a half. There isn't a crane on the West Coast that can lift the turret of those 16-inch guns out of that ship today what we did what that generation did both in terms of the domestic war effort and the effort of these individuals that were on the front lines uh is not something that america has had to uh has had to do even i think compared to 9-11 we did not have this have to marshal the same response different response but what we did and what we did and what was done by this country and our and our citizens in world war ii and on d-day has has never been uh i mean that that stands out that's why i think it's such an important uh day to remember i think our soldiers are just as brave today no doubt about that but the scope that maybe half a percent of Amer- of americans ever now serve in the, in the military or have served in the military have served is a larger number the World War Two. It was it was such a broad. I mean, there were there were a million, ten to fifteen million in uniform, and then all across the country, people stepped up and they were working in the factories, producing the armaments of war. They were in scrap metal drives. There were war bond drives. It was a combined, unified national effort that we really, that we really have that you haven't seen since. There were 16 million Americans who served in World War II. Two million served in Europe through the war against Nazi Germany, uh, which, of course, has an outsized place in our um, in our history, uh, deservedly so. The U.S. population, 1945, Greg, 140 million. So roughly 11 percent of all Americans fought in World War II. Yeah, and you just don't you just don't you just don't see that today. It's. You know, we, we think, I mean, it, imagine yourself, you're in the landing craft approaching Omaha Beach. As soon as that, that gate of the landing craft opens up and you try to step out onto the beach, you are immediately under German machine gun fire. Or swamped by the water because some of those landing craft didn't make it close enough and the 100 pounds of gear that you're carrying sank you like an anchor. Mm-hmm. That was the fate of many of those individuals. Donald Trump gave a, a just a fantastic speech today, and I read it, and then I went and watched it on on, on video. And, and, and when he, he brought out, for example, Bill and Ray Lambert, who were brothers, who went on the, they were in the same regiment and went on to Omaha Beach that morning in, in the first wave. They'd already fought 
through North Africa and Sicily, been wounded, earned Purple Hearts and uh, Silver Stars. Of the 31 men in Ray's landing craft, only Ray and six others made it onto the beach. Again and again, Ray ran back into the water and dragged out one man after another. He was shot through the arm, his leg was ripped open by shrapnel, his back was broken, and he nearly drowned. He'd been on the beach for hours, bleeding and still saving lives, when he finally lost consciousness. And he woke up the next day in a cot next to his brother, Bill. That's what these guys did. That's an, it's, that's an incredible story. It almost brings you to tears just to, just to hear it, knowing that these are, ki- these, are, these are young men that grew up together, n- not ever contemplating that they would find themselves next to each other uh, in a scenario like that. And Trump goes on to talk, President Trump goes on to talk, is talks about why they did it. More powerful than the strength of American arms was the strength of American hearts. These men ran through fires of hell, moved by a force no weapon could destroy. The fierce patriotism of a free, proud, and sovereign people. They battled not for control and domination, but for liberty, democracy, and self-rule. They pressed on for love in home and country, the main streets, the schoolyards, the churches and neighbors, the families and communities that gave us men such as these. They were sustained by the confidence that America could do anything because we are a noble nation with a virtuous people praying to a righteous God. When U.S. Army Sergeant Richard Wank leaped off of his Higgins boat just yards from Omaha Beach on June 6, 1944, he was holding a trumpet as the bullets rained down around him. As he reached shore, he was shot down by enemy fire and was found alive two days later by medics, still clutching that trumpet. That's how they use, that, That's one of the ways that they used to organize during, during battles. That trumpet made it back to the 75th anniversary mm-hmm. remembrance of D-Day. Stories like that, we, one of the paratroopers from D-Day, paratroops, 97 years old, he paratrooped, he pa- parachuted into the, uh, the, the, uh, into the, the area that the remembrance pro- was, was being conducted. 97 years old. Ronald Reagan said that if we don't remember what we did, we won't know who we are. And that's why it's so important to remember this, because this tells us what, who we are. The guys that ran up the beach into machine gun fire, that, that repeatedly went back into the water to drag their comrades to safety. That's you, who we are. You know, one of the things that strikes me about uh, about watching all of the, uh, the the programs that were conducted to remember and honor the, uh, the the what these young men and women did in that year in order to to bring about the end of World War II we don't have the same ability to reach into the past conflicts like the civil war or the revolutionary war to hear the stories 
to see the stories. They're not remembered the same way. We have scant pictures of world of the Civil War, not a single picture, of course, of the Revolutionary War, only paintings and uh, historical written accounts. But I got to believe that there were people that went through very similar circumstances in those wars. We just don't have the ability to uh, to remember them like we have in World War II. And I got to believe even, you know, as George Washington is getting ready to cross the uh, the river in that famed picture, the story, uh, the Christmas crossing, there are probably stories very similar to the ones that we are hearing about D-Day, but they're lost to history. We don't have them. Uh, but I can imagine that their sacrifice and uh, the, the, the what they faced that day in those in those moments is every bit as uh, seemingly insurmountable. Is that still being taught, though? It's not. Is, is that is is the next generation learning this, or are they learning about the latest trendy social justice warrior figure of history that they want to promote? More important to remember those figures. They're manufacturing important history uh, than the people that you know basically pass the baton. We got to take a real quick break, and we'll get back with some other observations about. Uh, current events juxtaposed against the sacrifice of Americans after this break. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding of Moreno Valley, and the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590. The answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite IE Radio Show, the show for the most important political office. That of private citizens. We've been talking about a certain greatest group of private citizens that answered the call to defend this country uh, 75 years, 79 years, 80 years ago. And I got I can't help but think that what those generations of Americans experienced personally growing up, as I mentioned, World War One, the Great Depression, World War Two, created a whole different framework for valuing what America is as a country, the freedom and liberty that our founding documents preserve for us, that those freedoms and liberties are, they're they're born with us. They are inherent in our very existence. And that is a transformative thought process 
from what existed at the time. At the time, freedoms, liberties, rights came from the governments that were willing to bestow those rights upon us. America represented a revolution in the theory of rights that we're born. They're inherent in us. They're inalienable from us. And that any government that seeks to separate us from those rights, we regard as tyrannical. But I don't think today's generations, by and large, there are large exceptions. But I think what we're experiencing in today's political environment is directly due to the fact that too many in today's generations, and I, what, when I refer to generations, I'm talking about the, 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 the waning edge of the baby boomer generation and the generations that have been born since. By virtue of the fact, not that they didn't have the chance to learn that and rejected it, but they never even have gotten, in many cases, the chance to learn it at all. Right. They're taught what a, what a, what a terrible country America is, how unfair. It was unjust from the beginning. And exactly what Ronald Reagan said, if we don't know who we are, we won't know what we did. And, and what's worse now than not just not teaching the stuff is they're teaching a negative version of America. So, the, so they're trying to make the current generation think that to knowing who we are by what we did, it was all bad. Right. And when we see this, and just you see this all the time, and just the other day, we were juxtapose the remembrance of the 75th anniversary of D-Day with a, a story from New Jersey where a high school chapter of Turning Point USA, they wanted to put up a flyer that said, America is the greatest country in the world. And they immediately ran into opposition from the administrators and the teachers there. So that's those these are the kind of people that are quote teaching unquote the next generation. And even for people on the left, even for someone like President Roosevelt who was who was a very far left guy, president uh, during World War II and the Great Depression. He was unabashedly American and we don't have time to read or even play it, but the night of the D-Day attack President Roosevelt goes on the national radio. There was no national TV. And he gives not a, not a speech, not a announcement that, we've, that the, the liberation of Europe has begun, but he, his entire speech, his entire address to the nation is a prayer beginning, Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Can you imagine any politician in the Democrat Party saying anything like that today? Well, no, especially when you consider the fact that in the Democrat convention of 2012, their platform had written out of, of existence God had written out references to Israel that had previously been there. And then when confronted with it, Antonio Villaraigosa, who chaired that event, had to take three votes in order to reverse the decision to write God out of their platform. And all three votes were overwhelmingly against putting God back in. And each one was, there was a voice vote. Yes. Each one... The no's were stronger than uh, more, were, were were even more stronger compared to the yes votes 
Then the previous vote, and finally, Villaraigosa, knowing what his orders were, said, well, the, the, uh, the, the side to put a reference to God back into the platform had won. Despite the, it was, it was clear and obvious anyone who was listening when the votes of the delegates were to the contrary. Yeah. And the, you talk about a high school student whose speech is censored in a way that is almost unimaginable. America, the greatest country. So let me ask you this. If you post, if you want to put a poster up that says that your football team is the greatest football team, is, does that get censored? Could be offensive to somebody else does, who, who from a different school or um, even someone who doesn't like football. Does, does any reference to being, I mean, I mean, let's take this to its most, its most ab- absurd conclusion, which isn't too far fetched given the fact that today's generation, in fact, it's worth just incorporating. An observation I made following Jordan Peterson's speech at Fox Theater, I was out after the speech scratching my head about the things that he had talked about that I take for granted. And I asked a group that was there at the restaurant who had attended his event, what, why were they there? And one of the things in this 20-minute conversation that was pointed out to me is we are the participation trophy generation. Everybody gets a trophy just for waking up, just for existing. You're special just because you exist. Now, I agree. We are all special and we're special because we exist. But the meaning of that is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to accomplish anything. Just the mere fact that you exist makes you wonderful and amazing and, and, and special. Warranting just showing up for the baseball game. You get a trophy for even just being on the team. And of course, when everyone's special, no one is special. When well, everyone, if everyone is a, quote, winner, unquote, then there are no winners. Right. So what happens to winning a baseball game? What happens to com- competition? It's competition, ultimately, that is the cornerstone of the free enterprise system. The whole reason that we have capitalism and free enterprise is because somebody figures out a better way to do something and competes in the marketplace to make that idea, to make that product the best it can possibly be. It's the cornerstone of all human progress. The idea right. to accomplish something that, that someone else hasn't accomplished, do something that someone else hasn't done. It's a source of all, whether it's, whether it's um, sculpting of my Michelangelo or painting by da Vinci or Albert Einstein devising the theory of relativity. And you can go on and on and on. Or Henry Ford revolutionizing the automobile industry. So these concepts are the cornerstone of what I think conservatism and republicanism is. Which means that the way that we see the current political environment manifesting itself, they're not the cornerstones of the other side of the aisle. In fact, it's worth noting and restating as often as we can that journalists that are on the front lines of today's uh, media are pro-censorship. They're on a campaign, New York Times, Washington Post, Vox, The Daily Beast, BuzzFeed, NBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, and countless of other media organizations are all about censorship. That's anti-free speech. And these are enterprises that are responsible for keeping this notion of free speech, which is the other cornerstone of our amazing it's the cornerstone of any free country 
So so by being anti-free speech, they are embarking on a, America in a direction and on a journey that takes us in the complete opposite direction of what the founding fathers envisioned. Right. Of course, they're, they're, of course they're not journalists. They are Democrat Party activists, right. and leftist activists. They're not. They are not journalists in any sense of that word. We are out of time for this half of Unite IE Radio. Stay with us, please, and we're going to be talking about a reverse invasion to this country. It was happening on the southern border uh, coming up after the bottom of the hour news and traffic. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show. We talked in the first half hour, uh, Greg and I, your uh, co-hosts for the Unite IE Radio Show, heard every week at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer, about our thoughts on this year's uh, remembrance and commemoration of D-Day, the beginning of the end of World War II, as it's often referred to. And we were talking about the invasion on the beaches of Normandy that began that final chapter of World War II. You know how many people were involved in the D-Day invasion, Greg? Uh, Roughly 130,000 were on the ships, another 17,000 paratroopers. And of course, behind that was a vast, larger number of logistics going all the way back to the factories and farms in America. Yep. If you want to go up the food chain, you could argue that there were hundreds of thousands of people directly involved in that. Uh, aside from the men that were on the front line, men and women that were on the front line uh, risking their lives. Well, today we have another sort of invasion that's happening right here in this country, an invasion of our southern borders. Although uh, there's probably if a liberal was to tune into our radio show and hear me equating what's happening to the southern border as an invasion of America versus the D-Day invasion, uh, they're probably going to get upset. Most of you understand the analogy that this country is being invaded. Right. And Invasions can be good. They can be bad. They can be for a good cause of liberation. They can right. be a good co- They can be a, a, for a negative cause of conquest. And up until recently, that invasion was largely panned by the media. It was largely decried by the elected officials in Washington, D.C. as a fake or manufactured crisis. Well, the numbers are in, folks, and the numbers for May are not good. Over 144,000 individuals have crossed the southern border in the month of May, putting us on track for what some are saying could be well over a million in 2019. It's not just that that number, but look, you have to look at the trend. 
Yes. Starting back in October of 19, I'm just going to round off the numbers to the, to the thousand. 60,000 in October of 18, 62 in November, 60 in December, 58 in January, February 76, March 103,000, April 109,000, and then a huge jump up to May 144,000. And it's the, the chart that I'm also looking at. It, the line is just skyrocketing as not just people in Mexico, not just people in Central America, but now the entire world know that America cannot, by law and by decision of liberal leftist Obama judges, cannot defend her borders. Once you get step across the border, either say the word asylum or, be, or drag along a child. It doesn't have to be your child. It could be any child. Right. And children are being trafficked for that very purpose. Then you get let in, never to be seen again. Just waiting for just waiting for your amnesty. And at the same time, what do the Democrats in the House do? They just passed a big amnesty bill, sending the word out again. Just get you know get in here, and you're going to get amnesty. So they're they're not just finding they're finding people from Bangladesh, from Congo, from Angola, countries in Africa. By the way. In Congo is experiencing another outbreak of the very deadly contagious disease Ebola, for which there is no cure. Right, and there's no there's no screening or anything of these people coming across the border for whatever diseases they may have. So you're seeing across the country is a resurgence of these old diseases, typhus, tuberculosis, and others that have been almost entirely vanquished in our and other advanced countries. Sacramento is all up in arms, making sure that the kids in this in this state are uh, vaccinated. They've added other vaccines now to a regiment that is mandatory for every child if they want to attend public school. And yet they're fine with completely unvaccinated youths coming into this country. There's no documentation of vaccines where they're coming from. They barely have documentation that substantiates their existence. Birth certificates? Yeah, right. Uh, Driver's licenses? Not sure. Most of them trash their former paperwork because they want to start brand new identities uh, in this country. And yet we're supposed to take them in unvaccinated? That's that's a direct uh, conflict. It's in direct conflict with what the liberals themselves demand of American citizens. Of course, everything that the Democrat Party does is about seizing more power and wealth. And the, the mass immigration open borders is, is just a means to accomplish that as to, to stack the voting deck in their favor. And, and the Republicans have, in large measure, gone along with that. And, and President Trump has finally done something along the lines that, I've, that he needs to do, is since we can't, since under our laws and court decisions, we can't defend our own borders, is you have to leverage Mexico to do it. You have to make it worth their, make the consequences so painful economically to Mexico that they will stop this flow of people through their country. And they are Mexico is absolutely complicit in this invasion. They could stop it if they wanted to, but they don't want to. They are, and that is a that's that's the next chapter of the conversation I want to get to. But I do want to punctuate a certain point here. We talk about the outrage that the uh, lawmakers on the uh, Democrat side of the aisle are exuding when it comes to what's going on on the border. We just had Chuck Schumer this week say oh, it's a complete outrage that another 
person has died in Border Patrol custody. What does that bring the total to six? Any death, of course, is a travesty. Where's Chucky's tweet every weekend when citizens of Chicago are gunned down, 40, 50, 60 people wounded, dozens of people die every weekend in Chicago? Where's Chucky's tweet about that? It, he's AWOL when it comes to the real tragedy that Democrat policies create. But there's a very important point here, and that is as much as the Democrats and the liberals decry what's happening in terms of treatment at the border, the reality is is that ICE and the Border Patrol are enforcing the laws that Congress enacted. The left loves to demonize ICE. These are laws that that were enacted by Congress. They want to change what's going on. Those laws need to change. They can't, you can't demonize the Border Patrol for something that Congress has done. The politicians that are, that, that are attacking working class employees, the Customs and Border Patrol and ICE, whose job it is to carry out their orders, Congress's orders. So how in the world can they demonize those people? They never attack big business who enjoy and employ illegal immigrants. They never attack the donors who encourage illegal immigration. The point is, Congress needs to take ownership of this, and they don't. They put it off on other people, divisions of uh, the government or Donald Trump himself. No, Congress owns this. Many of those people in leadership in Congress right now, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer, um, you know, and I use Congress in the collective sense of both houses of Congress. Those are people that were there when these laws were passed. If you don't like the way things are working, Congress needs to change the law. Don't demonize the Border Patrol for doing their job amidst this invasion that's happening in our southern border. The whole reason these families are coming north is that Democratic leadership has not fixed the loopholes that entice people to come to this country in the first place. Yay, though, in, they actually encourage it because, as we know, situation on the border is ex- happening exactly as they want, desire and planned. This is what they want. They want they, they want the open borders and unlimited immigration for their own selfish political purposes, and so you see, not fix it. Why would they, why would why would they fix something that's working exactly as they want to, as they want it to happen? And of course, the Republicans, when they had a majority in both houses of Congress and the White House. Did nothing to did fix. Did nothing either. Did nothing to fix. Did nothing yeah, my to, critici- uh, fix the, my to criticism fix the about the leadership of Congress, the collective houses, is is not directed at any single party. Although the current party in charge would like to see this continue because they look at it as an opportunity to uh, build their ranks of future voters and maybe even a few of them that will currently vote when they oh, get sure. put into the system. How, how many of those people, especially in Democrat-controlled states and especially California where there's absolutely no election integrity whatsoever, how many of these hundreds of thousands of new illegal aliens are going to be voting in 2020? Probably a fair number of them. Right. And uh, But, of course, that, that, that's way over the heads of, of Republicans. And it'll still be over their heads when the remaining members of the of, of the Republican House in California get defeated and lose their seats. Because what's even five hundred thousand more Democrat votes from these illegal aliens in twenty twenty? What's that, what's that going to do to the remaining Republicans here in California? We've got to take a break right now to honor our commitment to and and uh, and thank 
the sponsors of the Unite IE Radio Show this half hour. Uh, we thank the folks over at All Star Collision, Car Star All Star Collision. The place to go when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, who at this time is not called upon to storm up Omaha Beach. No, but any machine gun fire. But you are called on to storm up to Sacramento every once in a while. And, you know, this is an interesting way for you to start this segment because we talked about D-Day and Americans going to defend uh, against the threat of tyranny by by the Nazis in Germany and by the imperial regime of Japan. But today we are under attack, and the attack is from within. It's from with people that want to change, fundamentally transform America. And it is so hard to get people to take that threat seriously because it's not a gun pointed at you. The the cultural Marxists have learned a lesson. They learned you can't get people to stand up and and revolt uh, for higher wages. So they've gone in and insidiously uh, gone through what we've referred to as the long march through the institutions. It is an invasion. It is a, a war. It's a culture war. But people just don't seem to be willing to rally in defense of America like they did once. And it's a, that is a direct result. That's the, that's the desired outcome that the cultural Marxists have. They want you to uh, be lulled to sleep. Uh, they want you to not be aware the media is doing their best to distract with manufactured crises, with uh, stories that don't tell the central theme. There's a great newspaper out, by the way, now, a new newspaper, and I encourage everybody to get it, called the Epoch Times, E-P-O-C-H, Times. It was started by, the, by Chinese uh, immigrants who understand the threat of communism, who lived under the communist regime, uh, immigrated over to America and realized that our media is complicit with the effort to overthrow this country. And when Donald Trump says the media is the enemy of the people, I I don't think that he's, uh, I don't think that's fake news anymore. I think that's very real. And it's a threat we need to take seriously. And it's a threat every American needs to do something about. But getting people out of the stands and onto the playing field today if we could get if we could get just three percent of the population engaged in this, Greg, we could win it. Much less the eleven percent of World War Two. Right. Um, only one percent of Americans even do so much as put a yard sign out or make a make a make a political contribution. So you're right. A three percent would be phenomenal. And of course, of, of the one percent, about half of them are on the on the opposite side. But you're right. 
there was a time when, yeah, okay, maybe we can, we'll, we'll differ, you know, how much we should we spend on this program? What should the tax rate be and, what, and whatnot? Yeah. You know, how, how favorable should the law be to labor unions or not? Or to be, We don't differ on things like that now. We differ on things like whether to have a country, whether, the, whether, whether America, we talked about in our first half, the, the student who wanted to put out a flyer that said America is the greatest country in the world. And the administrators and teachers at the school objected to that because someone else might, because someone from another country might be offended. But see, but then, and that's, Comes back, and there's Torah ties together the immigration and the education. Is in times past, you know, before World War II, before World War I, from roughly 1880 to about 1923-24, it was a period of very high immigration. But with that came strong forces to mold an American identity out of not only the, not only the immigrants, but also the next generations of Americans. They learned about our history and George Washington and the Civil War and the great things that were done throughout our history. So they believed in America. So the guys that ran up Omaha Beach into the enemy machine gun fire believed that America was the greatest country in the world. And now that's, that is being consciously and intentionally by the Democrat Party and the left being taken away. And if you don't believe it, are you willing to put your life on the line in order to protect it? If you don't understand the rights you have, if you don't understand that rights are inalienable, if you don't understand the founding documents, if you don't understand the sacrifice that people have made for generations, are you willing to put your life on the line to defend it? No. Or are you more will? Are you more likely to put on a pink knitted pussy hat and go march in Washington D.C. against the ter- the tyrant Donald Trump? I would say, yeah, you're more likely as a result of that indoctrination to view abortion as a right to diminish the value of life. And to believe that you have no more, that the people from there that are pouring across the border have just as much right to live here as you do. There was an interview about somebody that crossed the border, was separated from his son, was finally reunited. The mother, the son was in fact sent to live with the mother who was here. Illegally, probably. And in that interview, that individual said, I can't imagine America treating me differently because I'm an immigrant versus a citizen. Would they have treated a citizen like this? No. Fully lost. And and the interviewer is like agreeing with him the entire interview. And here this guy is saying, how is it that I'm treated differently from a citizen? How is it that my son is separated from me? I don't understand. And, of course, we know that if... Illegal aliens and their children uh, voted Republican. There would already be a 200-foot-high wall on the entire Mexican border, followed by a moat, a minefield, and another wall. And Nancy Pelosi, Barack Obama, and Gavin Newsom at all would take turns garrisoning the wall. It's pure, selfish, political interest at the expense of America and Americans to have this open border policy. No nation can survive like that, and that's just fine with them because all they want is power, and whatever and whatever will get them power, they're for. So whether it's immigration or not immigration, it doesn't matter. Whether it's free speech, you know, the left that was in the left's interest in the 1960s, it was the free speech movement. Now we see just the opposite: that when they do, they don't want 
any competing speech or any competing anyone to undermine their control of the of the popular narrative. So we see this all over the place where and it was just almost every day there's new examples of attempts to limit freedom of speech. Now they can't do it by the government coming in and saying you can't say that. We still have the first amendment for the time being. They're shutting down people on the fringes. You may not like InfoWars, but they have every right to speak and you and, and have access to people through the vehicles of modern day speech distribution. I mean, there's a lot of libertarians that say, hey, YouTube, Google, they can do whatever they want. They're private companies. I think we've gone past the point where they're private companies. They're now utilities. They now have a responsibility to carry free speech. The communications service providers like the phone company. Exactly. Yeah, you can't regulate the phone company. The phone company can't cut your phone call off because they don't like the conversation you're having. Shh, don't give them any ideas. This week, Stephen Crowder who is a comedian primarily, but has turned into a comedian slash political commentator, had his YouTube account demonetized. In other words, that's a primary way that these people get money uh, is through YouTube when they put their videos up and YouTube uses those videos to advertise over. And YouTube collects those advertising premiums and passes along a little bit of it to the people that create the content as a thank you or compensation for creating the content. Well, apparently, Steven Crowder has been making fun of a gay reporter over at Vox and has been doing it repeatedly. And so the gay reporter's minions went out and collected snippets and put together a compilation video of the various different things that Steven Crowder has said over time, not 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 even uh, you know paying attention to the fact that the guy deserved about half of it based on the way that he conducted himself in his battle with Steven Crowder, but enough Social justice warriors complained to YouTube that his account was demonetized. Never mind the fact that Stephen Colbert got up and said that that Putin, Vladimir Putin, was Donald Trump's blank holster. I can't even use the word. And and he said this on his program. Another comedian gets up and called uh, the first lady Melania a feckless blank. Mm-hmm. And those people have never been censured let even, alone. even expressed threats Bette Midler just said the president should be shivved which is a short which is a short knife there's right. another one that were, you had a seven-year-old uh Trump supporter was ha- was selling hot chocolate to raise money for the b- private build the wall effort and, and and then some someone some leftist on on Twitter did a picture of of, of running the kid over and do 50,000 likes, by the way, from fellow leftists for running over a seven-year-old. It's because they politically disagree with the seven-year-old, and he's fine. All of, all of those are fine. Yet, just another example, there's a researcher I'd never heard of, uh, forgiven pronunciation, Eowyn Lenahan, who had documented connections between mainstream journalists, quote-unquote journalists, and Antifa. His account was suspended. Just, just merely reporting the truth, merely reporting facts, and it's getting worse and worse. So you, you, you would extrapolate this out. Where is this going to be in tw- where, the 2020 right. election? We talked about before. It's estimated by a, a professor Epstein who researches this that just Google alone, through its biased search results, shifted more than four million votes to the Democrats in the 2018 election. That's probably control of the House those, in those four million votes. And his research substantiated the same shift in votes. 
based on the way that Google was using their algorithms in 2016. I heard him speak at AFA's event back in 2017, and he had documented evidence about the way that Google was shifting the way stories appear when people would research different uh, candidates. And the same thing. It's groundbreaking research. It's been around a while. I don't know about groundbreaking, I guess, anymore. But the fact remains that it's documented out there. And we are we are being censured. We are being uh, coordinated off. We haven't even gotten to the fact. We're running out of time here. Uh, we wanted to talk about the, uh, you know, what's going on with the sex ed curriculum throughout California. There was just a... Uh, meeting of the Riverside County Board of Education, and there's a censorship link here uh, that I'm going to point out. The Riverside County Board of Education is considering a policy uh, regarding the uh, way that the sex ed curriculum is implemented throughout the county, uh, making sure it's limited in elementary schools, making sure that parents are uh, adequately notified about the opt-out provision. Uh, It should be an opt-in provision, and all of this uh, curriculum should be online for parents to evaluate freely, freely and openly, and yet they are prevented from doing so. It takes parents two, three, four weeks of persistent effort in order to be able to see the curriculum, and then they can only see it in a conference room while they're being observed by a school staff employee, aren't allowed to take pictures, aren't allowed to record anything, can only take notes. The time is limited. They're only limited to, it's limited to a half an hour, and then they're out. Talk about censorship. Yes. We're out of time here, but some of that stuff is so explicit. If they put it online, you'd have to have a box check here if you're 18. Oh, yeah. We couldn't even say the words that they're going to teach high schoolers in the in the in the meeting at the county board of ed. Couldn't even say those words. That's where we are. That's where and that's why the need to be to fulfill the obligations of your most important political office, which today is not running into machine gun fire, but it's being involved in the political processes. All the time we have for today. Stay tuned to the Unite IE radio show in the weeks coming up. We're going to begin detailing for you specific ways that you can get involved and events you must attend. Thank you for listening. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.